0: amen there was jesus on the mountains in the valleys there was jesus in the shadows of the alleys there was jesus in the fire in the flood always is and always was there is jesus he's been there he always will be always has been It's Jesus, and he changes things. He changes lives. He changes the world. Are you thankful for Jesus? Yes. I'm thankful for Jesus, and I'm also thankful for this little girl, young girl, young lady next to me. (laughs) Can we welcome Harper Deans to the stage? You'll see the beautiful artwork for our sermon series slide behind me. Harper is our artist and she is a very gifted, yeah, you deserve more than one round of applause. You're that awesome, Harper. (laughs) Harper just turned 10 years old, and she is a loving, giving, smart, and fantastic young lady. She's a part of our Glow Girls ministry, and she's using her gifts for the glory of the Lord, and God is so pleased with you. Thank you for sharing your gifts with us, And she told me that it took her two to three days to finish this, two to three days. She put her heart and soul into taking our scripture verse for our Acorns series and placing it on a beautiful portrait. So after service, you are welcome and invited to come and meet, talk with the artist herself. We have the original copy of our masterpiece also with her, and she'll be out at the information booth with Laura after service. So let's give it up for our artist, Harper D's one more time. Thank you, Harper. So this is what we've been talking about for the past several weeks. We've looked at what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That when we remain in him, we can flourish. There will be fruit. There will be purpose. Pastor Eric, he talked about how if we make Jesus the taproot or foundation of our life, it changes everything. Everything for the better, that is. Just this past week, we looked at our relationship with others, with our spouses, if you have one, or our friends, or our co-workers, and how when we choose to be committed to one another as well as committed to God, those friendships, those relationships can flourish as well. Well, tonight, I am blessed with the insane privilege and honor of bringing our message to talk about our relationship with the next generation. If I don't know you, my name is Tina, and I am the... Next Generation or Family Pastor for Zero to 18 for Church of God Ministries and also the Worship Pastor. And I'm just blessed to be a part of this family and this church. So Pastor Eric and Pastor Marsha are not with us. They're flying to Oklahoma to see their boys. So we send our love and we want you to send our love to your boys as well. We're praying you safely to Oklahoma. You'll definitely be missed but um, I I take this this honor and invitation to share the the word with you um, very seriously tonight. So I'm going to open us up with a word of prayer and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this amazing opportunity to be with you, to remain in you, to know you, and then also to impact those around us and to pour into those that are even younger than us. God, I pray that as I speak, that it won't be my words, Father, but that it will be you speaking through me so that we can truly encounter your truth in your word tonight. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, uh, once again, am very privileged to be here and sharing with you all. Our scripture verse for our Acorns series is Isaiah 61, verse 3. This is the new international version I'll be reading from that translation this evening. So you're welcome always to follow along on the screen behind or in your own Bible. Isaiah 61, verse 3 says that they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So I love working with young people. I first felt called to minister to this next generation when I was a teenager myself. I was serving on the summer ministry team at a Western Pennsylvania Church of God campground called Whitehall in Edmonton, Pennsylvania, and I had no clue what the Lord was about to invite me into. (laughs) But it was an amazing invitation, and I'm so glad that I said yes. And so I was 16 years old and realized that I loved the Lord, and I loved his church, and I loved this generation. They're so on fire and open and ready to grow and so moldable and um, just like clay, ready to be transformed for this world and discover who they are and who God is. And so I was excited when the Lord started pulling my heart towards ministry at a young age. And when I look back at the years when I was not yet an oak tree, but I was still a small seed, a small acorn, I could see that so much impacted me. And if you would think of when you were a child, if you can remember those younger years, and it's true, right? The things that you surrounded yourself with, the people, the things you watched, listened to, how you spent your time, it impacted you. Those years were so formative for me as I was figuring out who I was and who God was. I was learning what the Word had to say, this Bible, but then also I was discovering what the world really valued. And I quickly realized that they were not the same thing most of the time. I had people, thankfully, who had been pouring into my life, even from a young age, and I'm thankful for that. And so I. Wanted to jump into that ripple effect and then start to also pour into others who were younger than me. So childhood is such a formative time. Pastor Eric and Pastor Marcia had given the staff a book uh, several months ago. It's entitled Decade by Decade, and it's written by Bob Beal. I believe I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. I would recommend that parents, you all read that book. It's a fantastic reading, and really it helps us to understand this generation, because I think it's important for us to understand their needs and really um, what's needed for them, what, what they desire, in order for us to love them well and lead them well. So after much research and study, the author, Mr. Veal, he sums up each decade with just one word to sum up that age group. So for the kids, children 10 and under, if you are 10 and under, would you raise your hand currently? 10 and under? All right, we've got a few here in the sanctuary today. He strategically, yeah, a for them. <laughs> so he strategically chooses the word security for this decade. And the question that individuals in this age group are asking through their words and actions is, am I loved? And am I safe? He continues in his writing and states that children crave unconditional love. Now I would say that people in general crave unconditional love, but especially a young child, they crave that type of love. And he explains that age nine is the single most shaping year of a human being's existence. Whoa, do you know any nine-year-olds in your life? Children, grandchildren, neighbors, students, advice for parents or guardians he says protect your nine-year-olds at all costs get them out of schools social groups or friendships that are having them being mistreated have them play with both older and younger children to teach them how to both lead and follow and find your fourth grade your nine-year-old's favorite talk time and be available to listen be available that's huge and if i could add to this list i would say get your children not just your nine-year-old but get your children in church so for those who are here tonight or tuning in good job keep it up i know it's not always easy and you have to prioritize and there's so many things happening or other places you could be but bringing them here tonight tuning in at home if you aren't able to be in person but coming to church being a part of a bible preaching jesus worshiping congregation is essential for our kids, for us, but especially our children. And so tonight, I hope that you hear my heart that there is no condemnation, no pointing of finger, but instead an invitation to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus, and also a connection that you can grow in with those of his church, of his body. So no condemnation, just invitation. So I know that this is not everyone's story, but this is my story. So, I was blessed to have grown up in the church. Pretty much, we made a joke that anytime the church doors were open, my family was there. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and the special event on Saturday, the potluck, right? <laughs> like, we were there. And looking back, I'm so thankful for that. And, mom and dad, if you're watching, which they usually are, thank you for instilling that in me at such a young age. I can look back and see how. I often struggled, I went to a public school, and really had a hard time finding friends that were encouraging and uplifting. And so it was my church friends, my youth group friends, and my um, church camp friends that supported me and helped me in my walk and in life. And those friendships still remain strong to this day. And so I'm thankful for that attending church was not just a luxury it was a commitment and it was a necessity i believe that my parents understood that there was a deep soul need for us to be with people like-minded to worship jesus together and then also a deep soul need to have friends that were also doing that very same thing they realized the deep soul need for us to walk this straight and narrow path with others so jesus says these words in matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So if you're trying to drive on a narrow path that helps to have some guardrails, right? Or boundaries. So... There's a sermon um, several years that came out. I was reminded of this sermon as I was preparing for this message. It's by um, a pastor uh, in Georgia, his name is Andy Stanley, and he had this sermon entitled Guardrails. And he talks about, in this message, the purpose of a guardrail. So just like the picture bolt behind me, those things on the side of the road. So guardrails, what do they do? Well, they're designed to direct and protect. They're never placed in the danger zone, they're placed in the safety zone so that there's margin for error. They're also designed to minimize damage. It's true, if you've ever had a car accident, hopefully, Lord willing, you never do, but if you have a car accident and you hit a guardrail, there will be some damage done to your car, it's true. But the damage is far less had there not been any guardrails there, right? It's true. And even though culture in this world does not celebrate guardrails, because, well, in the spiritual realm, our guardrails might appear a little rosy or too strict, it's true that they are helpful and needed for our children's life. Think about this. Have you been bowling recently? I know the young adults went not too long ago. It was so much fun. I have been bowling in a long time. Should take a church event and go bowling sometime soon. Well, if it's your first time bowling and you're a toddler, or maybe an adult, (laughs) if it's your first time, do you think you would have more fun if you put up the bumper guards or leave them away? Well, if you're a toddler like this precious little one in this image, if this is her first time bowling, sadly, I think she's gonna be quite upset when her bowling ball goes into the gutter time and time again without the bumper guards if you put those, those bumper pads up, she's gonna have a fantastic time rolling her ball down that long, straight and narrow path. And finally, when it reaches those pins, success, the end, knocks at least one of them down, the joy that she'll experience after seeing that success is worth it, right? Those guardrails or those bumper rails are there to help her. They might seem restricting at first, or obtrusive in a way, but at the end of the day, end of the game, toddler's going to be happy that those boundaries or those those, uh, bumper pads are up there to help her make it that straight and narrow path and, um, and see the success of those bowling pins falling over. So there are many areas of life that this next generation needs both direction and protection in. If we want this generation to successfully grow into a grand oak on display for the splendor of the Lord, then we can help set up these guardrails or boundaries for their soul. So there's two areas that I felt led to share with you tonight, and that's guardrails with people and guardrails with priorities. People, fact, people impact people. There's studies that have been done, neurological studies that show that our brainwaves actually change to match the brainwaves of those that we spend the most time with. Mind-blowing, right? (laughs) I couldn't believe that when I read that. Well, I have a prime example, and Laura is the example for this. Laura is one of my best friends, and she is also my roommate. And there'll be times that she will be singing a song in the opposite far room of our apartment. And I'll be in the whole other side of the apartment, but I can subconsciously hear her singing. And without realizing it, a few minutes later, I will start singing that very same song. And she'll ask me, she'll call me out and say, why are you singing that song? And I will not know. I'll have no sane answer. I'll say, I don't know, it just kind of popped into my head. And then she'll tell me, well, I was just singing it about five minutes ago. You're just you're so, yeah, you just are able to pick that up so quickly. It's true. We start saying the same things, but the, but the same things that people around us say, because those brain waves start matching those of the people around us. The brain is an amazing organ, but I believe that that silly example shows the importance of helping our children choose the right friends. Proverbs 13:20 says, "'Walk with the wise and become wise, "'for a companion of fools suffers harm.'" So as we love and lead this next generation, let's set up guardrails for our children in their relationships that will encourage them to love God and love one another glow girls is one of our ministries for our church this is eight to 12 year old middle school girls and they are sitting right here up front far right and uh, they are a special special group of girls and laura and i have the privilege of leading their group and so we meet once a month currently and we have a blast every time right girls (laughs) yes (laughs) so we just had uh, a meeting this past week and um, yeah, I just had a couple questions that I actually asked a few of the girls, and I wanted to share their response with you. It's true, church, that we have amazing, amazing young people in our family. So there was a moment, this was actually um, weeks ago, that I was over in our child children hallway getting ready for service. And Kendall came around the corner. She was arriving for church. And Alathia came out of the room and saw Kendall the first time that evening, and she ran to her. She embraced her in a hug. And they linked arms and went running down the hallway, practically skipping, so excited to see each other. Actually just witnessed another moment before service tonight. It was Herc and Evan. They came. I think it was Evan walked through the doors. He walked up to Herc, Herc stuck his arms out, and he said, hug me. And they had a moment hugging, and we're so excited to see one another, and just to see those sweet friendships was so special. I know Abby came walking up as well from the car, and, and I think it was a lake and came went running out to hug her and Harper, so it's just so cool to see God forming those friendships that can remain for the rest of your lives, girls. So keep showing up for one another and for God and he'll bless those friendships. So I asked these questions to a few of our Glow Girls, and the question was this, what do you love about church? And why do you want to come to church each week? These are some of their responses. What do you love about church? All of it. (laughs) When I asked for more specifics, worship, I love worship. I come each week so that I can learn more about the Bible and more about God. What do you love about church? I love that the people are nice. All of the people. These are their words, not mine. (laughs) They're all nice. I love that there's a kid's church so that we can have fun. The music is nice too. What do you love about church? Everything, exclamation point. Being able to see friends and others I don't usually see throughout the week, like the Gamma House Girls and Larry and Chi Chi and everybody. And I love learning new things about Jesus and about the Bible. That's their words. That's the truth. And that is an example of how the church is impacting these young lives. And that's amazing. And I'll share in a little bit how they're impacting the church as well. We love you, Glow Girls. And we're so so glad that you are part and central part of this church. So in the second chapter of this book, Mr. Beal, assigns this word to the teenage age group. And the word is self. The question that sums up the thinking of this generation is what does any of it mean to me? He writes, quote, teens are typically in a phase of life where it seems everything has to do with me. Teens are extremely and nervously self-conscious. I know looking back when I was a teenager, there were seasons and days where that statement was very true. Mr. Beale, the author continues, with with explaining the importance of planting fundamental thoughts and truths into a teen's thinking process during the season of life. He encourages the older generations to show these younger teens, those who have less, give them perspective. To positively shift a teen's perspective to what I can give instead of what can I receive is extremely important. So a few how-tos if you know a teenager or you have them in your own household, Sign up for that mission trip. Clear your schedule so you can take a whole day and serve here in one of the local ministries. Participate in our church's mission projects that happen each month. So buy those diapers, buy those McDonald's gift cards together and talk about it, how you're being the hands and feet of Jesus in this city. Teach them how to tithe at least 10% back to the Lord. Read his word together as a family. Share your faith with unbelievers. And ask for forgiveness when you mess up, because we will, right? As mentors, parents, grandparents, we will mess up. So be honest and humble and show your teen how to ask for forgiveness. And I believe that as we do these how-tos, these boot-on-the-ground type of actions, they'll be good eye-opening experiences for not just our younger generation, but also for us, because truly we're living out the call of Jesus to love thy neighbor. So some of the most important decisions in life are made during the teen years. An article by Dr. Larry Maxwell reads this. One survey found that more than 85%, 85% of those who trusted Christ as Savior did so by the time that they reached the age of 18. Another survey of full-time Christian workers discovered that most of them committed to a full-time ministry before the age of 25. Now, that's true of my story. I fit into that category. But I realize that, once again, this is not everyone's story. And that's okay. Here in New Church, God can reach anyone at any age. There is never not hope. So if your son, daughter, granddaughter, fill in the blank, still does not know Jesus, and they're past the age of 18, keep praying. Keep inviting them to church. Keep showing them how Jesus lived and loved. Don't give up. God sure hasn't. But I believe that parents, saints, older generation, if you could better the odds of your child meeting Jesus by exposing them more to the gospel at a young age, wouldn't you do it? I believe that you would, and I believe that you are. So keep it up. So more than just setting up boundaries in your child's relationships, I think that we can also set up our Acorns are our children for godly growth by creating guardrails with our priorities. Ooh, priorities. A priority is something that we deem as important. Parents, saints, what you place as important in your life, what you prioritize, most often will be what your children prioritize in their own lives in the future. Monkey see, monkey do. It's a real thing. So parents, you have the most impact don't be afraid afraid of that. It's an amazing privilege. I'm not a parent yet, but a mentor, a mentor, pastor, but parents, you spend the most time with your kids. So take that as an opportunity to be a good shepherd, to push them into the arms of Jesus and realize that first you have to model it yourself. So it first starts with you, with us, kneeling at the feet of Jesus, showing our kids what it looks like to follow him it's worth it so set your priorities up first upright it's god first then family then work in your calling god will honor this and i believe that your kids will notice there's no perfect parent but there is a perfect god that loves both you and your children so keep prioritizing the lord first this is the best thing that you can do for the next generation all right. For this next portion, I want to talk to our next generation. There's a clip that I'm going to show from an old Disney movie entitled *A Bug's Life*. This used to be one of my favorite movies growing up. There's also a 4D ride I believe at Animal Kingdom, and uh, it's quite terrifying. Has anyone ever went did that one before? Yeah, it's it's very involved. We'll say that. Like you get. You get sprayed with water, and you think it's like a, a bug, a stink bug, I think, squirting you, and it's quite the experience. But this movie, I actually uh, was watching it randomly a few weeks ago before I knew I was going to be giving this message, and the Lord reminded me about this scene as I was praying for tonight. And so this old 1998 Disney movie entitled *A Bug's Life has something we can learn from tonight. So flip the blue ant is talking to Princess Dot, the purple ant. Flick is discouraged. He's constantly inventing new equipment of hopes of helping his ant colony gather more food in less time with less energy. But sadly, his inventions usually have a few bugs, and they don't quite work. And so his colony, his friends, so-called friends, are constantly uh, not encouraging him, they're really being quite vocal about how they dislike him, Flick, and his inventions. So Tiny Dot, the smaller ant, she believes that she's too little and can't do anything worthwhile. But we'll see in this clip that in their honesty, both ants do a pretty good job of encouraging one another. So go ahead and turn your eyes to the screen and watch this clip from A Bug's Life. Hello, princess. You can call me Dad. Here, you forgot this. Thank you. Keep it. I can make like another one. I like your invention. Really? Well, you're the first. I'm beginning to think nothing I do works. This works? Great. One success. Never gonna make a difference. Maybe, though. I'm a royal ant and I can't even fly yet. You're too little. Oh, being little's not such a bad thing. Yes, it is. No, oh, it's not. It's too- is not. Is not. Is not. It's not, 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 not. Oh. See. I need I need Uh here. Here. Pretend pretend that that's a seat.
1: It's a rock.
0: Oh, I know it's a rock. I know. But let's just pretend for a minute that it's a seat alright? We'll just use our imaginations. Now do you see our tree? Everything that made that giant tree is already contained inside this tiny little seed. All it needs is your time, a little bit of sunshine, and rain, and voila! This rock will be a tree. Seed to tree. You've got to work with them here, all right? You might not feel like you can do much now, but that's just because, well, you're not a tree. You just have to give yourself some time. You're still a seed. But it's a rock think i know a rock when i see a rock i've spent a lot of time around rocks you're weird but i like you <laughs> so flick he does a good job of reminding dot that being little isn't so bad he knows the truth that a person can make a difference no matter how small or how young just like the big oak tree that is looming above those tiny ants has grown so large it came from that one tiny little seed. And Flip knew that. He says these words that all it needs, all that rock or acorn, all it needs is some time, a little bit of sunshine and rain, and voila. So I want to encourage you, younger generation, even as a little seed, God can use you to make a big difference right now. You don't have to wait to get bigger, or grow older, or enter into the next grade. No, you can make a difference for God and for his church, for his kingdom, right now. So if you've watched A Bug's Life before, you know what happens. You know, actually, that Princess Dot, she does a wonderful job of helping to save the whole ant colony from the evil clutches of, what's his name, Hopper and his grasshopper gang. So she makes quite the difference. Little ants can have a big impact, too. When I was about your age, one of my favorite verses, it was my life verse at the time, was 1 Timothy 4.12. And it says these words, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in life, in love, in faith and in purity. So you can make a difference today for Jesus. You can be an example A couple more stories to celebrate about our younger generation. Emma, she came to GLOW this past week, our girls leaning on the word, and uh, she did something really cool. This is Julia O'Dell's granddaughter. She came um, to school the next day after Wednesday's GLOW, and we talked about it at our small group. We talked about Jesus being the light of the world and how he also asks us, he invites us to be a reflection of his light in the world, in a dark world. So Emma, she took that to heart, didn't she? And she went to school the next day and she started a Bible club with her friends. <laughs> I love that, Julia shared that with me. I asked if it's okay if I shared that here tonight, because that, that's a prime example of how a young person can set an example and be a light for Jesus, even at a young age. Well done, Emma. Also, I think about Evan, he, Evan Deems, he, um, last week, they the kids over at Chalk Children, they made valentines and had cards, and each card had a truth or scripture about God's love. So God's love is never-ending, God's love is perfect, God's love is fill-in-the-blank. So he took these valentines, and he went to the park, I think it was the next day, Allie told us the story, and he handed them out to his friends as he asked them, do you know God? Evan is an evangelist. <laughs> Evan is on fire for Jesus, and he wants to tell all his friends in the whole world about his Savior. That's awesome, Evan. Keep it up. There's so many more stories. I could go on and on and on and share more, even just having our young people here helping to lead worship, helping to draw artwork, helping to be greeters as you came in the door tonight, serving, putting your faith into action. That is fantastic. And we see you, and we love you, and we wanna cheer that on in you. There's another example that I think of from God's word. It's found in John chapter six, and it's a little boy who simply offered up his lunch to Jesus. If you know this story, you know what happens. All he offers up is five small loaves of bread and two fish. He, He offers it to Jesus, and what does Jesus do? miracle he feeds five thousand plus that day so simply offer up what you have to jesus he will do the multiplying and he will be glorified that's how we can grow to be strong and big it's his righteousness that's in us it's all because of what jesus has done so be an example and grow tall and big for his glory you guys are doing it we're proud of you in church, we want to keep cheering them on to do it. And we want to do it in our own lives. We want to show them how to do that. And so keep showing them, keep modeling what that looks like. Laura's going to come up and she's going to share about someone that was, or some people that were very important to her. And this, uh, these people also really loved Jesus and they really loved this generation as well. So Laura. Thanks, Tina. So I'm going to be talking about the generation that has
1: gone before that has left a legacy in my life. And those two people were my grandparents. They were the sweetest grandparents in the whole entire world. They were so wonderful and they cared so much about the younger generation. So my grandpa was a very successful attorney, a business law attorney in Anderson, Indiana. And so he was busy with that. He was busy with Indian guides through the YMCA, with Boy Scouts, all kinds of stuff to Impact the next generation and um, what he realized was they didn't have anything at their church for the youth There was just nothing available and so he searched all over the state of Indiana And he reached out to people and they actually started a young life group at their church And so I had the incredible privilege of being a caretaker for both of my grandparents (laughs) Excuse me as they passed to uh, the other side to heaven And so I got to see them and talk with them the last few months of their life about nine years apart. And I'm so thankful that God did that for me. And I got to talk with them about what are the memories? What are the stories? What impacted you? And my grandpa didn't talk about his business career as a lawyer. He didn't talk about um, all of the success that he had or money or investments. He talked about the next generation. And I have so many videos of him saying, let the love shine, and just sweet, sweet memories and moments of him sharing that. And something that stuck out to me when I was asked to share the story is as I held their hands, as they were really, really close to the Lord, we we sang songs, and we read scriptures, we sang hymns, and those were the moments that I'll remember forever, and I'm thankful that God gave me that perspective at the end of life what matters, what's important. It's those moments. I, I learned every word to every Gaither song in those last moments with them. And if I didn't know them already. And we just sang those, sang those precious hymns and I held their hands as they went to glory. And so I'm thankful for that perspective on the other side. And now I can shape my life to that. It's not the accolades, it's not the money, it's not, it's not the success. It's your relationship with God and what you leave for the next generation. And so I wanna read Philippians 3.8. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may
0: gain Christ. Thank you, Laura. What an example. We can live that example we can show this generation how to love jesus how to look back over our lives look back over the day and say hey there was jesus there was jesus we get to do that and what an amazing legacy and story and it's continuing to live on through you laura thanks for sharing that so church um, it's going to Come up here to a time of response, and so our worship team is going to come, and we're going to sing a song or two. And I just want to encourage you to really uh, respond. Now, response looks very different, and um, and that's okay if, if it is just staying in your seat and talking with the Lord or listening to the words of, of the song, then respond in that way. But I would encourage you to posture your body, and sometimes. It is coming forward and kneeling. I remember when we first toured this church, and we were looking at coming on Saturday nights, and the Lord just gave me a a vision of these altars, these steps just filled with people in response, kneeling and praying and seeking the face of God. Now, I don't know if that's tonight that that happens, but I believe that God is seeking for a generation that's on their knees. And if we want to model that for this generation, um, it's got to start with us. And so tonight, if you want to come forward and pray for this generation, for the younger people in your life or on your street, we we are all connected to this generation in some way. So if you want to come forward and pray or kneel or stand here or sit at the front pews here, you're welcome and invited to respond in that way. But we're going to sing and a song in some, a beautiful song, a beautiful prayer, It's the potter's hand and it talks about how scripture says that we are the clay and he is the potter but when we give our life over to him and allow him to mold us and form us he makes a beautiful piece of artwork for his glory just like that mighty oak tree that stands tall on display for his splendor so i'm going to pray and then you're invited to respond again however you feel led But let's pray for this generation. Let's pray for our church that we can be that example, that we can lift up this generation and model it first ourselves and then pour in that example and love for Jesus into them as well. So church, would you stand, let's pray, and then respond for this last song. God, you are so good, and we worship you tonight. Thank you for your word that is eternal, that's living and active. And so even, God, as we read these verses and hear these stories that maybe we've heard a thousand times if we've grown up in the church, Lord, I pray that tonight, whatever needs to stand out, that truly your word will pierce our hearts, Lord, and change us. And so I pray for this generation, Lord. That we, we see our world, and it looks a little scary sometimes. It looks a little dark. But Jesus, just as those little girls learned this week, you are the light of the world. And you've called us to be a reflection of your light. So, Father, for those who are older, would you show us how to model that, how to be an example of your light, how to prioritize you first in our life, and how to protect them and set them up for success, Lord, in this life spiritually and emotionally and and guard them and protect them, Lord, in the ways that you're asking us to. So, Lord, as we respond and just continue to seek your face, Father, I just ask that you continue to speak and be in this place, Lord, and we thank you for your presence, and we thank you for this church and for this generation. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. and pray this in your name. Amen.